Welcome, spiritual baddie. You must be trying to navigate this messy journey of life while still having an abundant mindset. Sometimes shit hits the fan, but you know it's going to be okay in the end, even when it doesn't feel like it in the moment. This podcast is truly for those who simply get it. You know when you meet someone and they just get you without over-explaining? It's like a karmic bond, you know? We're here to talk it out so that you can feel more at ease with whatever you are going through in life. We're the bestie you can turn to during your 58th dark night of the soul and also the one you call up when you're celebrating the manifestation you've literally been calling in for the last 10 years. We're not here to put up a front because no one really has it all together all the time. So let's break down the walls. You can expect raw and open conversations on relationships, career, and life overall with a spiritual and astrological twist. Fuck the rules, fuck signing off emails professionally, and let's glow the fuck up. Today, I have a special guest with me. Her name is Kayla G. She is a spiritual mindset coach for entrepreneurs, and she is currently living in Victoria, B.C., She has been in her business for four years now, and she is a 6'2 sacral generator. She is a Pisces sun, Sagittarius moon, Scorpio rising, and she coaches beautiful souls to embody their human design and gene keys so that they can be empowered AF in their entrepreneurial journey and create a sustainable business that's energetically aligned for them. She is also the host of the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast. She has a bunch of awesome episodes, 300 plus episodes, 70 plus interviews. So you guys definitely need to check it out. But welcome, Kayla. I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you. And I love, I was just sharing with Jacqueline how we're both in Canada, which is such a rare thing when you connect with people online, which I think is really fun. Totally. I'm so excited. So first of all, let's dive into the long story of your story. Like, how did you get here? How did you get into human design, gene keys, all that fun stuff? Yes. I love sharing this because it's just, I feel like I'm in such a sacred chapter of my life and it's a relief for me. So I first discovered coaching back in 2014. I did some personal development courses through Landmark Worldwide. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but we can know. Yeah, it's a, it's a personal development company. And that was the first time I ever had experienced coaching. And I was like, oh my God, I love coaching. Like I love connecting with people and asking really powerful questions. And so for about five years, I was like, I want to start a coaching business. And I had no idea that this was like a huge thing online. It just wasn't my reality at the time. And in that five years, I became a teacher, like I finished my degree. I taught in China and then I moved to Toronto and I was I started a personal training business. And then after in 2019 is when I started my coaching business. I was like, fuck this. Like I'm doing this It's happening now. And so I jumped online and I was showing up as a mindset coach and it was, it was more like general coaching. And I didn't really have like specificities in terms of like who I was working with and it wasn't really sticking. But then as we get into, you know, 2020, 21, I learned about human design and I was like, oh my God, what is this? Like it's, it found me. And then I was really intimidated because the system is like absolutely insane the way that the, the body, the body graph is and everything. And so I kind of left it and then it kept coming back. And in 2021, I was like, I'm going all in with this. And I went deep into it, learned about the gene keys as well. And then I pivoted my business and I'm like really loving the work 
of embodiment around your design because of the authenticity of it and the sustainability of it. And then working with entrepreneurs, because I found so much freedom starting my own business, even though it's been a roller coaster. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell of how I got to where I am. And now I get to have these beautiful conversations and share this work with people. And it just completely lights me up. And I'm, I'm so grateful. I love that. It's always so cool to hear how people get into like human design gene keys because I'm so obsessed with it. It's funny. I feel like our story is a little bit similar, but you're you're definitely so Sag Moon, like with all of the traveling and everything, because I actually used to be a, a fitness trainer, like a personal trainer and a health coach. That was kind of my first introduction into coaching. Then I moved away from it. I was like, I never want to be a coach again. And then I had this, I guess, this circle of probably like me fulfilling my karma, where I was a business coach for like the last, I guess, couple years ish. But now once again, I'm pivoting away from that. I'm a manifesting generator. So I feel like my life is just this like really messy, messy journey. But when you first discovered human design, like what was there something about your chart that really stood out to you? And it was kind of like a light bulb moment? Or did you experience anything like that? Yeah, I think, well, when I first discovered I was a 6-2 sacral generator, like that didn't really mean anything to me. Like I didn't know what I was looking at. I didn't understand like, oh, a signature and a not self theme and an authority. And I was like, okay, cool. I think the biggest thing that spoke to me is that once I understood why I was frustrated for so long in the work that I was doing, like why I was frustrated as a teacher, why I was frustrated as a personal trainer. And, and then when I started to take action in my business, and obviously it's very creative, like I'm a massive content creator as well. I was finding joy and I was like, oh my God, like this, this shit works is basically what it came down to. I was like, okay, I'm really excited about what I'm doing. And now I understand why I was frustrated. So if I, I started to experiment literally, because that's what this is about. And it's like, well, what's going to light me up? Like, is this what I want to do? Yes or no? Like, is that what I want to do? Yes or no? And it became like a really big deconditioning process around me actually being so stuck in, oh, this is what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. Kayla, you spent thousands of dollars on a teaching degree you were in school for six years and you went to China and you taught at a school and you traveled that's what you should be doing because you spent most of your 20s in that so it was really hard to let that go and I think that also ties into having a defined g-center it's like once you see yourself as something it's harder to to move away from that so I think just learning more about human design has given me the capacity to have more compassion and understanding for myself and then I can also just naturally see this in other people I love that. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, but what my perception or like this conditioning, I feel like society puts on us is that it's better to find one thing and to stick to it forever. I think it's kind of changing now, like with Gen Z and stuff like that. But I feel like for millennials, like it was always like, you should just find one thing and stick to it forever. <laughs> and it just doesn't oh my work God. for everyone. Yeah, I feel like honestly, it's just coming from the baby boomer parents of like, okay, so you're going to go to school and then you're going to go to university and get a degree and you're going to get married and have kids. And it's like a very linear experience where that worked for them. Because for example, you can live off one salary in a household, but like you can't mm -hmm. do that now. So it's like, you have to be dynamic. You know, you have to try things and, and it's just a different way of living. And obviously you can start talking about inflation. Like we know what it's like to live in BC. Oh my goodness. So yeah, I totally hear you on that. 
Yeah, totally. I always like, so I was looking at your human design chart and you have a lot of open centers because you only have two centers defined, right? So I always like to ask people who have so many open centers, it's like, do you just feel other people's energies so strongly? Like, how how do you manage that? Or like, what what does that feel like for you? Yes, oh, I appreciate this question so much. I appreciate this question because I think that a lot of people, especially reflectors, for example, who literally have no defined centers, is there's a lot of shame and frustration or like, oh my God, I'm so fluid or, oh, I feel so much or there's this disempowering context around having undefined or open centers. And so in my chart, I have my G center and cycle defined and I have two channels, the 550 and the 1034. And for me, what I notice is I do feel things very deeply. And I think it is literally my identity, my lovability and my sacral of what lights me up that keeps me grounded because I really notice in particular when somebody has a defined root or head center, because those are pressure centers, like I always, I will pick up on the pressure of like needing answers, needing to know deadlines, needing to know the next thing. Or when somebody has their heart center defined or their will center defined or their ego, however, whatever language you use, it's the people who's like, well, this is what's an in integrity. This is what you should be committed to. And so I notice when I become codependent on these energies and I have to come back to my authority. Like I have to come back to my sacral and be like, well, is this true for me? Does this feel like me? Cause the G center is defined as well. So it's constantly coming back to what I do have defined. And so I feel like even if somebody's a reflector and they're listening to this, it's like, look at your defined gates and they will speak to you. Like that's how you're going to ground yourself. So that's really been helpful for me in terms of dealing with those undefined and open spaces in my chart. Yeah, it's always so interesting to hear about that because I, I have my root defined, but I don't have my head defined. And whenever I'm around people with that defined head, sometimes it's like I feel like that pressure in my head, right, to like find the answers and stuff like that. But I was actually wanting to ask you also about your your undefined will center, because that's been one that's kind of on my mind lately. I, I have mine defined. So I do find that I have that consistent kind of willpower to go about things in my life. But as someone who doesn't have that defined, like, what does that look like for you? How do you deal with this inconsistent willpower? Like, how do you like, are you meant to be consistent? Are you not like, I feel like a lot of people who have it undefined, I'm just trying to understand them better and what's best for them. Yes, I love this question. And I think one thing I've noticed is obviously human design is so nuanced because if you want to have a conversation about consistency, like I'm a very consistent person, mm. but I think that the influence is my five to 15 channel. Mm. So that channel is literally about rhythms, right? And so like, as an example, like I have a podcast channel that has over 300 episodes. It's like four years in the making. And it's like, that is so consistent, right? So there's lots of things in my life that are consistent. And so I think it's, it's coming back to if it lights me up or not. Again, coming back to that sacral, right? So whoever has an undefined or open heart center, it's like, well, what is your authority? How can you use that to help you make decisions? Because I find that with the open heart for me is the shadow aspect is like falling into people pleasing. 
Mm. And it's like, because it ties into the lovability of the G center, it's like, well, if this is what this person thinks is valuable, then maybe that's what I should do. Or I get stuck into over delivering. So it's like, I'll make a a program offer or something like that. And then it's like, it's going to have extra things because I really want to make sure that people see the value. So there's this overcompensation. And so I find that there, there can be a difficulty for me in the shadow aspect of like knowing when enough is enough. And so when I, when I catch myself in that, when I catch myself in the proving energy, I come back to the sacral and my, and my defined G center. And I'm like, okay, does this really feel like me? Like it just actually light me up. Like, am I, do I feel creative energy here? And that helps me pull back from when I feel like I'm getting sucked into that open heart center. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so interesting to hear. I was just looking at your astrology because sometimes I like to like relate like which part of human design is kind of like highlighted in the astrology and I feel like what you were describing kind of sounds to me like your midheaven in Virgo so I don't know if you're familiar with the midheaven but it's basically like your career and your achievements your status in life um and being in Virgo like Virgo is such a the shadow trait is like perfectionism and always wanting to improve and refine and kind of not knowing when to stop um so I feel like there there definitely could be a correlation there between that like open will center and then the midheaven Virgo Virgo is such a it's it's a sign that's very close to me because I have a Virgo moon and then I'm always like battling that kind of desire to constantly improve versus like just being happy in the moment I totally relate to that and I appreciate you sharing that too because I think that I love it when people can layer on the different systems you know like we're talking about obviously astrology is part of human design but like that level of astrology we don't dive into as much in the system but it just gives more evidence of the influences of energetics like I don't know that much about astrology but you share that and it's like it's we're just naturally going to show up that way right so I I always find that like super fascinating so I appreciate you sharing that yeah it's always so interesting because I've always like I always tell people like listen to your intuition first and go look at your astrology or your human design second because naturally like you're always gonna kind of do these things already and you just have to like shed the conditioning and all that stuff to unlock, I guess, the the inner you, right? Totally. That's so good. What? So, so about gene keys versus human design, like, what do you like, what is the difference between the two? And what do you like about each system? Mm, I love this question. So human design In the centers, we have the 64 gates, which are related to the 64 hexagrams, which are part of the I Ching system. So in the gene keys, we're just looking at the gates, but we're calling them gene keys. And they're put into three sequences that is as a whole is called the golden path. So these three sequences, like when you actually look up your gene keys, if you're on genetic matrix, you need the same information to look up your human design as a gene keys. So it's like, you can look on genetic matrix or go to the gene keys website to get your profile. And what you're going to see are 11 spheres connected by pathways. And in those spheres are your gene keys or 11 of the activated gates from your human design. So the planets that are, that are activated in the gene keys, we have like the earth, the sun, Jupiter, Mars, Venus, the moon. And so these sequences, each of them is a journey in itself. So the activation sequence, which is the green sequence, there's 
basically is the same as the incarnation cross in human design. So we have the sun and the moon or sun and the earth. And the activation sequence is like getting grounded in the 3D realm of your life. And it's like the types of challenges that you overcome, finding core stability in your body. And the way that I bring this into business is I'm like, how can you use this to create core stability in your business? What are the challenges that you're facing in your business and the common themes that you see? And then we go into the Venus sequence, which is all about unconditional love, really going into that deep inner wounding, the inner child work, so that we can open our hearts to be more connected with the people in our life. So the way I tie this back to business is like, well, how can you dive into this so that you can remove these blocks that are preventing you from connecting with your audience, your clients, like the people that you want to reach eventually in the future, it's really going to help you open your yourself up more. And then we go into the pearl sequence, which is the final one. And this is about prosperity. This is about redefining your relationship to money, looking at how you're actually energetically designed to be of service to the collective and the kind of work that you can do through your business as, as someone who's going to make an impact where, where it's not just about money. It gets to be about how you're going to transform the world, like how you can find prosperity in your health and being connected with people and the actions that you take and so on. So that's kind of a, a summary of the two. And I'd say what I love about both of them, human design gives like a structure. It's more of a masculine experience. Like following your strategy and authority is actually very feminine because it is about receiving, right? And then taking action. And then the gene keys is very fluid. It's very feminine. It's not as structured. You have the sequences, but it's really about you know, discovering these frequencies in your life and how they show up. So I love to bring the two together because they obviously complement each other. Mm, I love that. And I love kind of the description of like the feminine versus the masculine. I feel like that's always been a struggle in my life, balancing both the masculine and the feminine. I find that I naturally kind of lean towards this masculine energy. Um, but what's kind of your experience with like your own feminine and masculine energies? Like, have you found that you've had any challenges? Like, do you lean towards one more than the other? Or what does that look like for you? Yes, that's such a great question. I think that, well, one of the planets that's really speaking to me that's in the Gene Keys and in our human design chart is the unconscious Mars. So this planet really has to do with, you know, the way that it's described in the systems is like this, this energy of immaturity. But when I say immaturity, I, I talk about it more from the lens of like, it's a seedling. It has the younger brother archetype. Like there's just a lot of opportunity for growth. So the core wound, the unconscious Mars and the gene keys is like your biggest inner wounding that has you feel alone and disconnected from others. And so for me, it's gate 34 or gene key 34, the shadow is force. And then we have the gift of strength and then majesty. And it's like, when I, when I look at it from a masculine feminine energy, I can see, especially when I started in the beginning of my business, how much I was in the masculine energy of like forcing things, especially it's in the sacral. So it's like taking all this action and like just making shit happen and it wasn't sustainable. And so when I look at the gift of strength, for example, I feel like this is more of a feminine approach because it's like knowing what to respond to. Because that gene key as a gate is in the sacral. So it's like, what am I responding to? Like, what is it? What? How can I have strength versus needing to frantically do a bunch of shit to feel like I'm being productive, right? So I've been really looking at contemplating the many layers of like, okay, this is the gene key. This is the gate. It's in human design. I'm a sacral generator. How does this play into my authority? And it, there's lots of layers there. But I feel like all of that together 
gives me more of a flow of how I show up in business, how I show up in my relationship and just really how I show up like in my life. So I hope that answers your question. No, I love that. That's all really cool. And I would love to hear you describe what, what, uh, responding looks like for you as a generator and like that sacral authority how do you kind of use that when you're making decisions mm, so good so the biggest thing that I say to sacral beings including like generators and many gens is part of the authority is like wait to respond right and I feel like when people first get into this they're like what the fuck does that even mean like what the hell am I waiting for and what I've noticed and what I've played with in the last four years or more like the last couple years since I knew human design is waiting to respond to my environment because being a sacral being is about co-creating and if I'm going to create something if I have something to respond to in my environment then that's going to be a co-creative experience I'm not doing that all alone so for example let's say last year I think it was last year I had the idea I was like oh my god Kayla it would be so cool to host like a human design summit and invite all these people on and I loved the idea the idea came from my mind like quite literally and I stopped myself and I was like Kayla where did this idea come from like did you have a conversation conversation with someone did somebody talk to you about it did you see something like where was it in your external environment I was like I haven't seen it in my external environment yet so for me that was a sign to wait literally three weeks later somebody messaged me and invited me to be on their summit to talk about human design and I was like that's that's it that's this is the epitome of waiting to respond because then I was like this lights me up more because I didn't know how the fuck I was going to put together a summit but now I can just show up onto one so it's that's what I mean by waiting to respond is like am I co-creating with my environment and if it's an idea that's dropped in it could be a sign to look for something like that example Mm -hmm. but it's I don't respond to my ideas all the time because then I'm not actually like creating with my audience right I'm not collaborating with my environment I'm trying to do everything by myself does that make sense yeah no I I relate to that so much and I feel like it's such a I guess a challenge sometimes because like life never taught us to act like that because I feel like in society like taking initiative is really rewarded like and it's sometimes looks like we're not taking initiative but in fact it's like we just need to wait to respond then we can like take the action right I find it like that when I'm creating content too like sometimes I'll get an idea and then I'm like okay I nothing in my environment told me to create this so I'll wait and then I'll have a conversation with a friend and then they'll literally talk about like the thing that is related to what I was going to create I was like this is the moment (laughs) it's time now Yes, exactly. Actually, you know what? I'm curious. So yesterday I was chatting with my girlfriend. She's a 1-3 sacral manager and she's really noticed that she's been initiating, initiating a lot, right? And not responding as much. And so I feel like with the with many gens it's like okay you know it's the initiate and form and wait to respond and then there's I've seen like different spectrums of like what comes first and so on but I'm curious for you what you notice like do you notice a pattern between like a flow between initiating and responding or like what is it like for you as a many gen sometimes it confuses me honestly let's see how would I describe it 
there are seasons where I do feel like I'm meant to practice informing more because like I think like I've responded to a bunch of stuff in my life and then I haven't been responding I mean informing and then I notice that there's like a lot of resistance and people aren't understanding me because I wasn't informing so I've had kind of those moments in the past even like in my in my previous like coaching business um, I, I needed to describe more, I guess, of my style and how I work to my audience because I felt like sometimes they just weren't on the same wavelength because I was like, that's not really how I work or someone would ask me a question and it would make me really angry and then I would realize that, oh, like something is out of alignment when I'm feeling like that anger or frustration. So there's that, but I do find that when when I'm more patient and when I wait to respond to something things usually end up better what's like I'm trying to think of an example that I can give you so that there's something a bit more tangible um okay I'll give you this this example is kind of very recent so I I was kind of going through a period where I was really struggling with my finances and I intuitively felt like the universe was telling me to halt everything in my business stop selling everything I was like okay well like then how is income gonna come in I'm like freaking the fuck out like what, what's gonna come but then my intuition told me to halt and then I'm like freaking out and I was like trying to take action I was like what do I do do I come up with something new to sell I had a bunch of ideas that came to me and they seemed very logical and it and it actually was like stuff people had been asking me to create so i thought it was like oh like i'm kind of creating something out of a response but then i realized that those services that i was creating didn't really light me up and it just simply wasn't something that i really wanted to do and i guess that's the thing about responding i feel like i feel like i'm learning that i don't need to respond to everything if something doesn't light me up so in my mind, I was like, okay, well, universe, I'm really struggling right now. Like the incomes are coming in. I'm like, I'm honestly, I am open to even like getting a job if you want me to do that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever is my intuition is telling me to do. But then I felt like I wasn't meant to get a job because I would try to take that action. And then I had like a very bodily response. It was like, no, like, don't do it. So in my mind, I think my intuition was kind of telling me to wait for to hire like an influencer manager, because I felt like my my direction was kind of headed in that path where I wanted to focus more on being a content creator. And then I guess I had that thought in my mind. And then I was trying to like apply or like kind of look for for things I could or managers I could work with online. And then I just, I, I guess this is when I was informing or maybe giving, I don't know if it was re responding or informing, but I asked a connection of mine if she knew anyone who was a manager. And then she said, yes, she gave me this one person, the vibes were good, we hit it off and I ended up signing with her. So that's, I hope that kind of gives you an example, but it was, it's like, a, it was a really weird process because I think I was responding to almost like the universe in that instant and then I informed or like I asked a question so that someone else could respond to me and then it kind of flowed from there that was a really long story but <laughs> no I think that that's a great thing because I I talk about it with people even with projectors around waiting for the invitation like 
you can ask for the invitation. Like you can ask for things to respond to, but then if it's a no, then you know it's a no, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's something else that people don't consider. They're like, oh, I'm a projector. I'm a generator. Like, I'm just going to wait to respond. I'm just going to sit here on my couch and do nothing. It's like, well, no, you can, you can ask, you know, like projectors, like you want to fucking give advice and you're like, hey, I see this thing. Like, can I share this with you? And if it's a yes or a no, at least you're not sharing and then they're getting pissed off because it's like you were like co-creative in that in that moment. So I think that that's that sounds like you were being co-creative, you know what I mean? And it was a mix of like informing versus responding. And I think there it's interesting because I interviewed Karen Curry Parker on my podcast channel and we talked about how when we get into our not self theme, how it's sometimes you think, oh, we're just taking misaligned action. But the way that she talked about it was like, we're actually hitting a ceiling of what it is that we're currently tolerating. And there's like this shift happening in the background of things that we can't see yet. So maybe what's what's making us angry or what's making us frustrated, for example, like speaking about us, it's like because we're hitting a certain ceiling because something else is coming and our capacity for our not self theme is going to shift. So I feel like for you, you're like, okay, business, like (laughs) I'm hitting a ceiling here. Like this is not happening. And then there was that frustration or when you go to apply for a job and then all of a sudden you're like, this is a fuck. No, this is not (laughs) happening. (laughs) And then, you know, there is the breakthrough and then you, you, you get to experience that peace and that satisfaction. Right. So it's very nuanced. But I love talking about human design this way. Totally. I feel like what you describe right now is like so on point because then I felt like it was things were getting really chaotic for me. Like I had angry customers, refund requests. I had a blow up with a client and I realized I felt like the universe was just trying to get my attention. And it's like, you need to pivot. <laughs> you need to pivot. So that's totally on point. Do you what is Karen Curry's human design? I've always been curious. I think she's she is i'm pretty sure a four six manny gen wow that's yeah. so cool so another question i had for you because you're a six two with that six line you know how they say the first 30 years are kind of like a three line how has that experience been for you Yes. So I'm 32 now as we record this. And I started my business in 2019 when I was 29. Hmm. So once I started my business, I it literally felt like a getting on the roof moment of like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like this makes sense now. But up until then, I had you know, a teaching degree, I was a teacher, and then I became a personal trainer. And then I started my coaching business. And even before that, like I've I've literally had over 20 different jobs between the ages of 14 to like 29. And I was just frustrated and frustrated and frustrated like over and over again. And so for me, when I really decided like, hey, you're going to figure out this business thing, you love coaching, this is what you want to do, you want to work with people. I feel like that's really when that six line pivot happened. And it was like, very distinct, like it really was this peaceful experience. But then there was also this pulling back, like the two line experience, that hermiting of like pulling back, being very selective about who I want to spend time with, like really needing time to reflect, sometimes feeling like a total fucking alien, like not being understood whatsoever, or just like seeing things that people don't see. And I'm like, okay, so this is what's coming, but it's not here yet. So there's a lot of patience involved in that too. So that's kind of been my experience with the, with the six, two and like going into the on the roof experience. That's so interesting because I know a few people with the six line and I'm kind of always like observing their life and like how it goes. I I know a lot of people who 
have the three line in their profile. So I'm I'm wondering because I feel like a struggle for the three line sometimes is that they're they're so scared of pivoting or like moving on to the next thing because they don't want people to see them as like oh you just gave up on this and you're like moving on you know what I mean like have you ever had experiences like that or like what's been your mindset around that yes I have so much compassion for three lines because my fiance he's a six three splenic projector so that three line energy between the two of us like three out of four digits at some point were that three line flavor and I think the funny thing is it's funny because when I look at the three line from a Gene Keys lens, like obviously the three line from human design is like the experimenter or the martyr, right? But when you look at it from the Gene Keys lens, every single sphere, the three line theme exists, but it also, it shifts a little bit. So some of the shadow sides of the three line is like wanting to avoid conflict, mm-hmm. wanting to avoid uncomfortability, being vulnerable, feeling like a failure. You know, there needs to be a lot of movement, interaction with three lines. And so I think that, it's kind of this paradox because it's like the three line wants to move and interact and experiment, but then also there's this fear of failure and there's this fear of like fucking up and and whatever it is. Right. So I think that with the three lines, like I'm always encouraging, like you are literally designed to experiment. You were designed to go in and be like, this works. That doesn't work. This is good. This is no bueno. Like this, that no. Right. And I think it's it with that comes, a very high level of self-trust because then it's through that experimentation that it's like, okay, this like, you know, you're, it's like that three line is reaching for the four line of like, okay, now we're going to share this with our networks, right? We're going to share this, this wisdom with people. And then it's sandwiched with the two line, which is like this natural way of accumulating information. But then the three line goes and experiments with it. So it's a very pivotal line and it's right in between you know the one to three and then the four to six so it's like we're going interpersonal to intrapersonal right so I find that that's that's a really big thing it's just it's self-trust taking small experiments small actions I think is really going to be supportive of a three line totally yeah I feel so much for the three line sometimes I feel like my life is like that even though I'm a five one but I guess being a manigen, it's always that like <laughs> moving on to the next thing. Um, but what would you say? Do you have any like favorite parts of human design or like, you know, mm. favorite yeah aspects, anything like that? So I'm really big into looking at unconscious charts. Like if you go on genetic matrix, you can look at your design chart and your personality chart because both of those that come together, that creates your quantum, which is like, the unconscious and conscious definition. And so when I notice when you pull the charts apart and you look at them separately, like for example, I'm working with a client right now, she's an emotional generator, Mm -hmm. but unconsciously she's an emotional projector. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, okay, how do you, how do you tie into being able to support your body because the unconscious side has to do with your body. What do you need to do to support your body as a projector so that you can show up consciously as a generator? And so it it turns into doing like a lot of nervous system regulation and also just like, what does your projector side need so that you can show up in your business? Like you can't expect to just constantly be generator mode all the time because there is this unconscious side of you that is not right. And then there's a lot of people, because when you pull the charts apart, what happens is you only have half the definition. There's a lot of people that will either have a conscious or unconscious reflector. 
So then it's like they gotta they gotta play with that. And all of a sudden, instead of being somebody who's let's say a sacral being or splenic, where the answers are usually quick, like this is a yes, this is a no, they might notice that they're changing their mind a lot. They might notice that they make decisions over a period of time because they're gonna be tapped into the lunar cycle, whether they realize it or not. So I really go into like the fucking nuances of nuance of like, let's look at your unconscious chart. You might be three designs. Like my friend is a Manny Jen, self-projected projector and reflector. So then when I have conversations with her and I see the disappointment come up or I see the bitterness or, you know, the anger and, and the frustration, I'm like, I speak to those parts of her and it completely shifts everything beyond just being like, well, what does your sacral want to respond to? It's like, well, maybe like you're bitter right now. Like, let's talk about your body, you know? So I, I go into like a really crazy perspective of human design and people are like, oh my God. And then, I mean, I can start talking about unconscious authorities and so on. And that's like a whole other rabbit hole. But that's something that really lights me up because not that many people talk about it. I love that. Okay, I'm totally diving into that like after this because I want to find out like what mine are. But that reminded me we didn't get into yet why you have a different birthday and time for your astrology chart versus your human design. Tell us the story on that. Oh my god, this is just such a funny thing. And I don't even know if it's true. But basically, my birthday is March 18th. And everyone says, except for my dad, that I was born two minutes after midnight. And my dad, because the 17th is known as St. Patrick's Day, my dad is French, my mom is Portuguese. And he's like, well, let's just say she was born like two minutes after midnight on the 18th so she can celebrate her day, like not on, you know, a holiday, like it can be her own day. So he told me this, but then I was so mad because I was like, this changes my astrology. Like, what the fuck? So when I look up, my astrology like my needle chart i will use march 17th like 11 55 p.m or like 11 45 because the, my i think it's my sag is like right on the 29th degree like if i actually look at my chart like it's so close to shifting that it would actually change my big three so but then if i look at my human design for march 18th versus like that time on the 17th it doesn't really it doesn't change so i'm just like march 18th six two sacral generator and then the 17th is how I look up my astrology because it's like right on the cusp which which changes a lot but when I've had readings people are like Kayla like you're definitely a Scorpio rising and you know we talk about the other th the other three and I'm just like okay like you see this I trust you <laughs> interesting I think it was your Scorpio rising is at that 29th degree yeah so I'm it's like right there shift. yep it does. But it's interesting because my initial just like intuitively when I met you and first started speaking to you, you don't really come across as a Scorpio rising to me. But I don't know if that's because your other planets are more dominant as well. But um, I'm guessing it would switch to a Sagittarius rising. Yeah. And which seems more like what I'm getting from you, but it's hard because you also have a Sagittarius moon. So I feel like I would probably need to get to know you better, but I get a lot of Sagittarius vibes versus Scorpio. Yeah, it's so, I don't even know what to say. It's so nuanced and like, I've had conversations where people are like, yeah, I can see the Sag and like, yeah, I can see the Scorpio. I'm like, you tell me, I'll talk to you about human design and genius, but like, you want to talk about my Zodiac? Like, I don't know. <laughs> That's so funny because I actually, so... When I first started learning about astrology, I totally thought I was a Virgo rising from the birth time that my mom had gave me. 
but I also have a Virgo moon. So I was like, I don't know if like I'm a Virgo moon or like which, which sign it is. But then I took this like test online one day. It was like to, to rectify my birth time. And then it said I was a Leo rising. And I was like this. And then at first I was like kind of rejecting it. I was like, no, I'm a Virgo rising. But then the more I looked into it, the more I reflected on my childhood. And I asked my friends like who know me how I act. And they're like, you're totally a Leo rising. Like you're not a Virgo. And then I asked my pendulum to figure out my exact time. And then I got it. And then it was a Leo rise. I was like, oh my God, my whole life. It was like a pivotal. And I felt that like sacral response too, as like as a manager. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a Leo rising. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe if you like ask a pendulum, I feel like it might give you insight. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because if people are listening to this and they're like, I want to look up my human design and gene keys, like, and you don't know your birth time, like using a pendulum is like the best intuitive thing you can do. And then of course, what I find is like connecting with somebody who knows how to read the chart so they can kind of like gauge between different times to help you figure out like what feels most aligned. Like I've definitely done that for people with their human design before too. Totally. I feel like I w- I'm going to pull up yours after and let's compare the two because I only have the, like what you sent me, the the Scorpio rising, but I'm just curious to see what the other parts of it are. Yeah. So it's so interesting. And it's I love that it's nuanced, though, because it just gives us freedom. We don't have to box ourselves in. For sure. For sure. I feel like I always love these conversations. I feel like they can literally go on forever because I have so much we could talk about. But where where can anyone find you online if they want to connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Kayla G. The links will be in the show notes. And I have my podcast, Living in Fierce Alignment as well. And in the show notes too, there'll be some freebies. Like I have so much repurposed content that I've created into different guides and whatnot that people can like dive into their human design and gene keys and business. And these are just things that I'm really loving right now. And even just, I talked a bit about the gene keys earlier, and this is something that I'm really lit up by. And the gene keys business guide to support entrepreneurs is like a really big, project that I'm in and I love sharing that so that's where you can find me hanging out and if anything lands for you in this conversation I would love to hear from you and thank you again Jacqueline for having me on it was a beautiful conversation totally I'll definitely make sure to leave all your links in the description this was such a fun conversation before we end off I like to ask one last question and that is what is something that you wish more people knew about you Oh, that's such a cool question. Oh my gosh. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? Wow. I think that, I think that I, it's funny because my life's work, like my conscious son is compassion and I'm so easy to give compassion to others and like really hold space for others but I'm like very hard on myself and there's like this hyper independence experience and so I feel like I just want to remind other people to be compassionate because I think more people need it than they realize you know like just because somebody's compassionate towards others doesn't mean that they give that to themselves and I feel like this is a really interesting way to just suggest for all of us to be kinder to each other in the world you know like we're all fighting our own battles and sometimes we don't talk about everything on the internet and so on right so I feel like I think I'm a vulnerable transparent person but I think I'm more vulnerable and like and yeah I'm just more vulnerable and honest than people realize so just just being open and real and wanting to connect with people 
I love that. I feel like it's also very aligned with your Pisces sun as well. Like Pisces is the sign of compassion. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. And thank you so much for joining me today. That was such a fun conversation. Thank you. And thank you to all the listeners as well. Looking forward to connecting with you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Glow Radio. If you enjoyed this episode, definitely take a screenshot, share it on your stories, and tag me at astrobabe1234 so I can make sure to reshare it. And if you want to continue spreading the abundance, definitely go leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you so much, and I'm sending you lots of abundance and love. Mm-hmm.